It is nice to see everybody today. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. We are super thankful that you are here. Today we get to start a new series, fittingly enough for the month of November. Our next three messages are going to be on gratitude. And I propose this series to our preaching team because of the powerful effect that gratitude has had on my life. Uh, I spent 14 years depressed and often suicidal, eventually becoming an addict and ruining just about everything about my life. And during that time, I know I can remember if I focus that there were good things happening in my life. I was healthy. I was doing well in school and college. I had friends. But all the time, all I ever thought about was what was wrong with me, what was wrong with all of you in the whole world. My attention was always on bad things. I would sit in my room and dwell on my helplessness to do the things I wanted to do. I listened to music about suicide and despair, and woe to my parents if they tried to say anything to me, even if it was good, right? Would you like dinner? No, you ogre. You know, I'm a parent now, so I get it. Um, I don't know why I was so focused on bad things for so long. I am grateful that eventually God saw me in my misery and decided to save my life. I was at my lowest, abandoned by my ex-wife at 23, and I was ready to end everything, and that is when God showed up, and I got to surrender. And God held me through the night and set me free from addiction. The next morning, I didn't want to do drugs anymore. And God put me on a journey of growing in prayer and hearing God's voice, and eventually told me to go to church, which is the first time I argued with God after surrendering. I said, that is a terrible idea. Why on earth would you want me to do something like that? That's where bad people go. And God won. And so I went to church, and it turned out super good. <laughs> I stopped being focused on everything terrible, and every day I became grateful for my freedom. If you want to meet some of the most grateful people on the planet, talk to somebody who's been set free from addiction. Could I get an Amen brothers and sisters of Celebrate Recovery and my friends here. Um, any addict who's done the work of recovery knows every day in my life is a reason for gratitude. It doesn't matter how hard things go. I woke up sober today, and that's amazing. My journey of gratitude uh, really took off in the early 2010s. I was working the 12 steps as part of Celebrate Recovery. That's our 12-step program for people dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Raise your hand if you have got any hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Oh, look, it's a room full of people. I told first service when only a few raised their hand, I said second service knows what's up. We're going to have more hands up in second service. First service is the people who think they have it figured out, and second service is my people. All right. <laughs> Celebrate Recovery is the best meeting in our church. I recommend it for all the people who just raised their hand. And I was doing some preaching on gratitude back in the 2010s, and I was talking about it with my sponsor, Chris Diedrich, at the time. Uh, Chris Diedrich pays bass in our worship bands, and a sponsor in the recovery world is someone who's going to help you grow in one of the steps. I was really impressed with his conscious contact with God, and I wanted to grow in that myself. And I was talking to him about gratitude, and he had this idea. How about we text each other one thing that we are grateful for every day? And I was like, awesome. I would remember to be thankful if we did that. And the next day, he texted me his gratitude, and I texted him back something I was grateful for. And we wound up going on for months and I believe years, back and forth, day in and day out. Um, I discovered I don't usually initiate things like this. I have some memory issues from uh, an accident that I was in. So when I can't see a reminder, I forget things earlier, but you're not going to believe it. 
It turns out these things can remind you to do things like, hey, look, it's praying hands. Uh, these things can remind you to do good things, believe it or not. You just set a reminder, send gratitude, and it reminds you to send gratitude every day. And Chris was super good about it, and so we kept going for a good long while. And I will just tell you, the daily practice of gratitude just made those months plain better. They felt better, I felt better, and this is despite the challenges of our genuinely broken world. It was while we were doing this that my mom was dying of cancer, going through six and a half years of chemotherapy. Around the same time, the girl we were going to adopt from Zambia, Rebecca Tamba, died of a brain fever that she would have survived if she had made it over here in time. My circumstances were not better than the rest of my life has been. But I remember that season as a time when I was doing well, despite the brokenness of the world that we face. It's like I became the opposite of who I was in my teens and early 20s. I was looking for good things every day. And if you stop to look for good things, you can always find them. Gratitude changed my life. And as anyone who has heard me preach on this for even one year, you're going to see a chart that you've seen before. Uh, as anyone knows, if you've heard me preach, gratitude is amazing for human beings. I want to briefly show you the graphic that I like to use to make this point. Uh, this is from a blog called Happier Human. It's a science-based catalog of the research-proven benefits of stuff like gratitude in particular here. It's run by an atheist. He only publishes stuff that's been demonstrated through research. And here you see the five categories of benefits of gratitude. It improves your emotional and physical health. It helps your career. It changes your personality for the better. Turn to your neighbor and say, amen. Isn't it nice when someone's personality changes for the better? And it improves your relationships. And then you look at the specific changes in there. It makes people spontaneously exercise more. People just want to go do something when they're more grateful. It helps you sleep better. It helps you live longer. It improves your decision-making, judgment, and ability to achieve goals. Second service, do we need help with these things? I know I do. It leads to healthier marriages, more friendships, a better ability to be kind. It makes you more resilient. It helps you form better memories. That's the life story that you are writing for yourself. And it makes you less stressed. It makes you less self-centered, more optimistic. And this one I find real funny. It makes you more spiritual. So this atheist runs this blog and he accepts the research and writes about his own personal experience. He just says... Despite the fact that I don't believe in this, gratitude makes you believe there's a God. And so the way I cope with that is by pretending there's a God and being thankful to the pretend God. And you know what I think? I think God probably appreciates that. I think God's probably laughing at this dude. You're so funny. But thank you. You're welcome. Right? So here I am preaching on gratitude for at least the 20th time. And what's new? Every time I preach, I just like new research on gratitude. Here's three new things. Number one. Gratitude works best over time. The effects do not show up at the one-week mark, but at the four-week mark, they show up and last. Number two, gratitude makes lasting changes in your brain chemistry. Not only does it do good things, but the good things last. People who wrote just three letters of gratitude in three weeks, even if they did not send them, had positive brain changes months later to the shock of the research investigators. Number three, People who journal gratitude for just five minutes a day average 10% more happiness than when they did not. 
and that lasts. 10% is a lot. Try preaching about how Christians should give 10% of their money. (laughs) That number gets real big real fast. We pastors know things. And I always uh, want to highlight, I'm not trying to use research to prove God's right. Right? Like God needs my research. Uh, Anyone who thinks about it for just a few minutes, you know gratitude's good for you, right? But the research highlights something that is important. God wants good things from us because they're good for us. And I know that we can all fall into the trap of God's enemy, the trick that the serpent uses to deceive Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and the trick that God, God's enemy continues to use ever since. The enemy comes to you and says, God is not good. Life has passed you by. You do not matter. Other people get good things. You get what's left. And those lead to envy and resentment, and they poison our spirit, which is why the enemy of God will always try to use these things against you in your life, and why it's good for us to come together on a Sunday and say, you know what? God wants good things for you because they're good for you, because he loves you. Again and again, God calls us to things that make our lives better, because God knows how you're made. God's the one who made you. And so let's turn to the Bible today, and I want to take a look at a surprising expression of gratitude. As a frame for this series, I've been regularly bringing up my favorite passage from Philippians over the last couple few years, including in my last sermon. It's becoming something of a life message. You're going to hear it again, I'm sure. And it says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. And the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And one of the things that passage is saying is that gratitude and prayer put your life in Christ. You want to know what it's like to walk with Jesus? Practice gratitude and prayer. And that brings us to today's passage, which is an expression of thanksgiving and prayer that I hope will help you make some positive steps today. Let's take a look at the Bible's song and prayer book, the Psalms, and we're going to look at Psalm 9, verses 1 and 2, which might give you deja vu as if you had heard them before or something like that. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things that you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. The psalmist kicks things off here with optimism and praise because of God. He says, I will praise you and I will tell everyone. I'll be joyful because of you and praise you most high. This is a great way to start Thanksgiving. God, you are good. I love you. No matter how hard things go, we always have that to fall back on. God, you are good. I love you. And as I follow you, it will be well with my soul. And then the psalmist moves into specific thanksgiving in verse 3. My enemies retreated, they staggered, and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne you have judged with fairness. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The cities you uprooted are now forgotten. And so, if you're not familiar with the Psalms, they contain all the emotions that humans contain, including rejoicing over the fall of enemies who were after the writer and trying to kill him. 
And we learn something new in Christianity in the New Testament, and that is that we never make an enemy out of flesh and blood, but we fight against spiritual powers. And so one of the great ways to read the Psalms is to accept, number one, people do get mad when their enemies fall down, and number two, that's no longer where we're to rejoice or they get happy when their enemies fall. And that's no longer where we're to rejoice. But reading these things and considering the spiritual evil that is arrayed against you, the actual specific evils that you face day in and day out from within yourself or from others around you, um, it is incredibly helpful to celebrate God's defeat over those enemies. It's incredibly helpful to remember that those things will die because God's going to win. And so the psalmist here is remembering God's actions from the past. Sometimes it's hard to see what to be grateful for in the present, but you can remember something good in the past that God has done. And so one question for you to meditate on today, what has God done in your life? Where have you seen God move? Where have you experienced God's goodness? I'm going to be forever grateful to God for overcoming my addiction and despair. I am so grateful that God has given me joy and broken the spirit of depression and suicide off of me. Thanksgiving can be for the present and it can be for memories. It can be gratitude for what God's done for you or, if you're having trouble there, for what God has done for someone you love or for your people. How glad are we that Hitler lost World War II? Anybody? We're not speaking German, an ugly language. My daughter speaks German. Sorry about that, Aaliyah. Uh, We have so much to be grateful for. The psalmist moves here forward in worship and hope and gratitude, verses 7 through 10. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He will judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness, because that's how God does things. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. And so the psalmist is just confessing God's goodness and justice and character. I particularly love verse 9, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. If you are facing oppression, if you are going through the storms of life, and needing a refuge, God is specifically and especially for you. God's preferential love for the poor and the marginalized is here in these verses and all the way through the entirety of the Bible, and it's always something you can praise God for, as so many of the biblical writers have done. And in verse 10, we see something that happens in the Psalms all the time, reminding God of his promises and character. It turns out all is not well with the psalmist right here in this song, as we will see in the later verses. But despite the circumstances, or maybe even because of those circumstances, the psalmist reminds God, hey God, this is how you work. We trust in you and you don't abandon us. That's the kind of truth you can bring to God at any time in prayer. The first half of this psalm, the half of gratitude and worship, concludes in verses 11 and 12, which say, Sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgettable deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. If you feel helpless, if you are suffering... God cares for you, 
and God hears. That's who God is. And the psalmist finds comfort in God's character in the time of trouble. He calls on people to praise God for his goodness and points out again, God loves the helpless and suffering. That's part of the story of Jesus Christ, that God loves and is even willing to identify and come and experience the hurting and the broken and the abandoned in this world. If you are in those categories, God loves you today. You can turn your life over to God and trust Him to take care of you. Now, at this point, you might be reading and thinking the psalmist has it figured out. He's just writing this stuff because he's in an easy time of his life. He must have some awesome circumstances going on. But let's read and see what's actually happening. Verse 13, Lord, have mercy on me. See how my enemies torment me. Snatch me back from the jaws of death. Save me so I can praise you publicly at Jerusalem's gate so I can rejoice that you have rescued me. Now, this is a psalm of David the king who is described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. And if you read David's story, which is in First and Second Samuel, and is extremely readable, it's a very enjoyable read, you will discover that even being a man after God's own heart does not mean an easy life or good choices all the time. David loses family members, he commits adultery and murder, he loses a son, he faces overwhelming enemies and opposition again and again. And while he worships God all the way through these things, while he wrote so many of the prayer songs we know as psalms, we know from his life story he struggled mightily at times. Even in the praise of the first half of this psalm, David is facing enemies who torment him and have him right up against the jaws of death. And it's in the middle of the struggle that David responds with gratitude and worship. He doesn't hide his need or pretend everything is okay. I'm not here to say the only thing ever coming out of your mouth should be gratitude. That's a terrible message that I don't want anybody to hear. We're not here to Pollyanna ourselves into better lives. We want to be honest with what's happening in our lives as well as honest about the things we're genuinely grateful for. David expresses thanks and shares his troubles, just as the passage in Philippians calls on us to do. Now, I have done my best to live this way, and we as a church have done our best to live this way. We have walked through deep troubles since deciding to follow Jesus. Could I get an amen? If you didn't have an amen, maybe you're not following Jesus, or maybe it started like yesterday. <laughs> but if you have going to follow Jesus for the long haul, we too are all going to walk through difficult challenges in life. And I just want to tell you, there's something about choosing gratitude right in the middle of the struggle that has real life in it. There's something about gratitude that makes it even better when we offer it during trials and tribulations. David keeps going in this vein, verses 15 to 18. The nations have fallen into the pit they dug for others. Their own feet have been caught in the trap they set. The Lord is known for his justice. The wicked are trapped by their own deeds. The wicked will go down to the grave. That's the fate of all the nations who ignore God. But the needy will not be ignored forever. The hopes of the poor will not always be crushed. And so David predicts the downfall of his enemies. And this is an awesome thing if you're following Jesus. Evil loses. Evil's already been defeated. It's just wasting its time waiting until the final end. And so we know the end of the story. And we can say things like this too. 
All these forces that push us to ignore God, to do evil, to oppress the poor, those things are going to die. They are not going to live forever. These are prayers we can still agree with us today. Wickedness and oppression are still with us. Could I get an amen? (laughs) Wickedness and oppression are happening around here. They still come against you, whether you're an outcast or a king. But just as when David prayed these prayers, we know they do not win in the end. Death is coming for all things evil. And in the end, those things are going to be swallowed up by the coming kingdom of God. The needy do suffer, but they will be heard. The hope of the poor will be honored by our king. And so the psalmist finishes his prayer with a cry from his heart, verses 19 and 20. Arise, O Lord, do not let mere mortals defy you. Judge the nations. Make them tremble in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know they are merely human. God's above us, even when and even while we are suffering. God's good, even when we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I think Psalm 9 is a great one to turn to when you are struggling with gratitude because of your circumstances. Psalm 9 encourages us, bring God your struggles and your thanks in worship because God is going to set it right ultimately. And so how? practically, can we grow in gratitude today? I do want to offer some practical steps. Uh, I want to share with you the practice that I have been experiencing for years. I've done this with many different people, and I want to invite you to grow in gratitude by committing to daily gratitude with one other person. I'm going to give you the opportunity to sign up to be part of a gratitude text with one other human being who's following Jesus. Uh, The way I do this best is through text. I find someone who's reliable, and we text each other one thing we're grateful for, and it is amazing how much God moves from one simple little practice. Sometimes gratitude reaches me right while I'm at my most grateful, and I get to respond with, check out this rainbow, snap, picture, you know, and that feels great. Sometimes a gratitude text arrives when you are at your lowest Somebody I love has just said something hard to me and I feel low, or I just said something I don't love to someone I do love and I feel real low. On those occasions, I don't always respond right away to my gratitude text. There's been times I've been like, oh, great, now I got to be thankful. Well, I want to sit here and just feel meh, right? And then I stop and I think, like, I don't actually want to lose this practice, which is what will happen if you ignore this thing. What am I? Okay, fine, something good happened to me someday. Actually, something good did happen to me. Okay, fine, here it is. Send. On those days, the gratitude texts are better. They remind me that even during my struggles, God does good things. And with the miracle of reminders and alarms, even somebody with severe ADHD like me can keep this going for a good long time. Over time, these exchanges have molded me into a more grateful person, and I'm super grateful for that change. It's been balm to my soul. If you have someone that you can practice gratitude with, if you have someone in your life already who would do this with you daily, reach out to them and say, hey, how about we text each other one thing that we are grateful for every day? I'll start. And then set a reminder so that you can follow through. Perhaps you get to invite someone you love into a new experience of God's goodness, into all the good things that you see up here. Maybe you get to change someone's life for the better like Christopher did to me. Or maybe you don't have anyone to do this with, or no one springs to mind, or you're super bashful. And if that's the case, your connection card, the question of the day is, would you like to be matched with someone for a gratitude text? 
and I'm going to spend, not my day off tomorrow, but like one of the next days, matching up anybody who responds. And I checked yes, and so I'm going to match myself to one of y'all. And then you just begin with someone else who attends here. I'll do my best to make it someone you might know or have something in common with, but, you know, maybe I fail. Worst case, you're gratitude texting with somebody. That's the downside. It's win-win, okay? So just put on your connection card. Please sign me up for gratitude texting. What we want to do is make it easy for you to live a more grateful life for this month. I can't wait to hear two other people preach on gratitude and not show me the same old chart and say the same old things that I've been saying out my same old mouth. I can't wait to hear what the members of our volunteer preaching team and staff are going to encourage us to do to grow in gratitude. I want to be um, honest about something. You might feel like there's some spiritual obstacles in you that are hindering you from a life of gratitude. There's real spiritual work that happens, and good spiritual work is always opposed by God's enemy. If that's the case, I want to encourage you to come forward and receive prayer this morning. Uh, we don't want to be preaching here about how if you try harder, you can do better. Is anyone tired of that? That is not what I hope you leave here with. I'm trying to highlight how good what God's asking you for is so that you'll be grateful to God. And the one that we go to when we want to grow in something where there's opposition and difficulty, we go to God for help. Getting prayer with someone is one way you can do that. Praying to God right now as we enter into worship is another way that you can do that. If you're on the prayer team, would you come forward at this time, please? And would you please stand as you are able? We're going to transition into our worship and communion and closing. God loves it when we pray for God to do the good things that God is already wanting us to do. I love the passages that we read in Celebrate Recovery. One of them is that God is working in you to desire and to accomplish God's purposes for your life. And so as we look to God to grow in gratitude, God is just happy that we're trying to do what he's asked us to do. And God can give us power to make that happen. Um, I want to share the three tips for this week, and then I'll pray for you. These are something to read, pray, and do to put the Word of God into practice as we've received it today. Tip number one is read Psalm 9. It's got the gratitude and the acknowledgement of reality. That's helpful stuff. Tip number two, give thanks every day for the next month. You can do that by praying over meals and being honest about gratitude when you do. God, thank you for the food. Food is delicious. I get some today. Thank you. That's a good way to be grateful, okay? Tip number three is sign up for a gratitude partner or reach out and find one among the people God's already put in your life. Let's pray as we transition. Uh, God, we have so much to be grateful for. Mid-50s, late November, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We have so much more to be grateful for than just the weather. Thank you for the people around us, God. Thank you for giving us a family in you. No matter what family we've been born into, we have a family that you've brought us into through Jesus Christ. I want to pray for anybody here who has never trusted you before. I just want to speak to you and say, I encourage you to trust in Jesus Christ today. God loves you. And Jesus welcomes you. No matter who you are or where you've been. And if you've already trusted Jesus before, I have some amazing, totally new news 
God loves you and Jesus welcomes you no matter where you're coming from, no matter who you are today. And so God, we just praise you for your goodness, for your coming rescue, for the poor and the oppressed. For those who are poor and oppressed here, we pray your relief, your blessing, your presence, and your love. And for those outside our walls, we pray your blessing, your presence, your love, and we offer ourselves, God. Send us as you will, do with us as you will. Please come receive prayer. If you need some help from God with gratitude, we'll enter into worship now. The worship team will lead us into communion. And uh, after the service, I'd love to meet you if you're visiting today. God bless you.